Awesome. Well, good morning, church. I'm so excited to be here with you in person for as long as we can pull this off. I'm just soaking it up. Um, for those of you who are at home, thank you so much for just pausing your day and making it a priority to continue to learn more about God and setting aside your Sunday. I know it can be hard uh, if we're stuck at home for so long. So uh, I love anytime I'm able to share God's word with you, and every time I feel like it is my turn to do so, God's put me in his word and just uh, kind of given me a little bit of a personal smackdown <laughs> and humbling me a bit. So I'm excited to share some things that I've learned with you. Um, this is on one of my absolute favorite subjects. It's the topic of of peace. It's one of my favorites because I struggle with it the most. And we're going to learn about peace using one of my favorite characters in all of biblical history, and that's the Apostle Peter. Uh, so we're going to get to know a little bit more about him. But I struggle with having peace in my life. I know a lot of us do. There are, there's something different for everybody that just, it disturbs your peace. Your peace is disturbed by one thing or another. Um, for some of you, it's other people. Anyone? Anyone? We got a little. Uh, we forgot what we had for dinner last night, but we can name five people who might get on our nerves. Um, work, family, uh, just other people letting us down. That's a big one for some of us. Um, for some people, we get in our own way. It's ourselves who is disturbing us from peace. We let ourselves down sometimes, and we really overthink that. For me, what takes my peace is a lot of anxiety. Um, so if you know me at all, you know that that's true. Anxiety is big for me. A lot of overthinking, worrying, doubt. Um, I think moments before this started, I, I put the page numbers on my sermon because I had this image of me just flying them everywhere and it'd be okay because I'd number the pages and I'd put them back together. So I did that real quick. Um, for some of us, it's just a real big black X over 2020. And we're very excited for a time when we can move past this um, and move on. I know we're all kind of feeling a lack of peace this year. So a little bit more about me with that anxiety bit, because I think that that word um, gets used a lot. So I'm just going to be very transparent with you this morning um, and talk a little bit about that um, and what Frank has to deal with. <laughs> so uh, some things that make me anxious, large bodies of water. If I can't see the other side, I'm kind of freaked out, so going over a bridge of any kind is extremely scary for me. Uh, the Bay Bridge, forget about it. I've contemplated the route that you take to go up into Delaware and then back around again. Uh, and then two years ago, Frank got me that escape from your car tool. I love it. That was the best Christmas gift ever. That was it. So it can break the glass. It can cut your seatbelt. has a little flashy thing and an alarm. It's my best friend. It's in the uh, side of my door in my car. Um, I, another one is, when I'm at a restaurant, I have to be seated facing the door. If my back is like to the commotion or to the door, I get really freaked out. I ask to be turned around or, oh, can I have that spot? I need to see what's going on. Um, another one, I won't leave the house with the dryer running because common sense house fire, right? You guys turn that off. You should be responsible, really, is what that one is. I won't take a shower in a lightning storm, and lightning can strike from eight miles from where the storm is. That is not a myth. Electricity, water, don't mix. Just wait 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> Frank answering the door to a stranger. This is a common one um, that, you know, knock, 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 innocent enough person on the other side of that door. Frank answers, you know, just imagine this person is in some kind of safety vest, steel, maybe like a hard hat, clipboard, uh, YMCA guy. 
saying uh, that, you know, we're going to do some work on your power lines between 3 and 5 tomorrow. We just want to see uh, if you're going to be home between 3 and 5 in case anything happens or we need to get to this access point. And Frank's answer is, you know, I'm not going to be home between 3 and 5 tomorrow. I think I'm going to be working. Let me check with my wife. Michelle, are you home between 3 and 5 tomorrow? I think she's traveling. We're both not going to be here. Whoosh, I come in and I slam that door and I say, great, we're going to be robbed between 3 and 5 tomorrow because you gave our schedule away. It's just how I think, um, on a more serious note, uh, I have seen about five or six uh, different doctors who have all prescribed me anti-anxiety meds. That's usually always the answer. Uh, it got to a point where I actually went to a neurologist for the same headache that I would always have on the right side of my head. Um, I walked away with an MRI that was completely cleared and another prescription for anxiety medication. <laughs> uh, and then even dating back to when I was a child, this came up in our Enneagram class that we had. I just had this instant memory of me as a kid. I always had trouble sleeping, um, just up, kind of just noise in my head, and I couldn't clear it out. So like seven, eight-year-old Michelle came up with this thing where I'd imagine my mind as an empty room except for it wasn't empty. It was filled with, like, if you could imagine cartoon dust bunnies, right? And I would imagine a whole crew of workers, go with me, it's crazy town, you're in my head now, a whole crew of little workers, old, um, what do you, the overalls, right? And they'd come in with vacuums and they'd sweep it up. And then there'd be another crew that would come in with uh, brooms and dustpans and they'd sweep that up. And then there'd be another crew that would come in and they'd mop it and it would be all clean. And then I'd do that again and again. And that was like my childhood counting sheep. Like, that's some deep stuff right there <laughs> that I just remembered about myself that I've now let you in on. So if you could tell no one at all, that would be great. We're just going to keep that uh, between us, that moment that we just had together. So for me, hopefully I've clearly proven uh, it's anxiety. It's overthinking. My peace is disturbed regularly. Uh, and for some of you, maybe you don't relate to that at all. You don't deal with anxiety, but there is something that's taking away your peace. It could be family. It might be others. It could be work. You've got a very stressful job. I can attest to that one too. Some of you are in your own heads in a different way. You've created this self-image that you can maybe just never live up to, and we're getting in our own ways. Uh, for some of us, very subtly, maybe we've walked away from God this year in one way or another. I mean, we keep coming back to church, and we've got church friends and church responsibilities, but somewhere in there we just know we're not where we're supposed to be, and we keep not facing it, and then that's disturbing our peace. Uh, so there are some unique challenges for all of us, but it's in Scripture that we're going to find a way uh, that no matter what it is, uh, there is one thing in common that can be the solution that can help us achieve peace. So uh, we're going to get into some pretty deep stuff. I'd really like to pray with you guys before we dive into scripture. Uh, so will you pray with me? God, I just thank you for this group of people who you've brought here today and those who are listening at home. I just thank you for each and every one of them. God, I pray that you would open up your word, open up your scriptures in a way that will just soften our hearts to hear what you have for us. God, not my words, but yours. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, one thing I love about the Bible, it is incredible that it isn't just one book, and we've gone over this a bunch of times. It's not just one book. It is a collection of books, a collection of letters, different writings that all come together over hundreds of years, 
different authors, yet they're connected. They're all pointing to the same God and the same Christ. And it's amazing how different characters are connected with each other over different books. That's going to be really important uh, today. And hopefully um, over the times that I've been able to give messages to you, I've been encouraging you in your own devotional time, when you're reading through scripture, find those places that they connect because it is revolutionary sometimes what you can find when you realize who said what or who wrote what and who they knew before. Um, So that's going to be really important today. And um, like I had mentioned, we're going to talk about the Apostle Peter, absolute one of my favorite characters. So I'm going to give you some quick background. He's a pretty famous guy. You probably already know all of this, but just in case. He was one of the disciples of Jesus. He was known as a very outspoken disciple. He was considered maybe impulsive or immature at times. He was always asking a lot of questions where it was like an immediate foot and mouth moment. So I really relate to Peter. Uh, He just seemed to always be seeking. He was one of the three disciples considered to be in this uh, inner circle where Christ took uh, three disciples up to a mountain and revealed himself to them. It's that moment of transfiguration. It says that Jesus just became this great light that shone. And, And Peter was part of that moment. He really, really knew who Christ was. And, um, but he's also known for one other thing, pretty big one. During Christ's persecution, he was the guy who denied Christ. He was the guy who denied Christ in the middle of his persecution. So it's pretty deep stuff there. We're going to start, actually fast forward, we're going to start at the end, and we're going to look at 1 Peter today. So it's one of the letters that Peter wrote. This is in the New Testament, so it's already after the Gospels. It's after uh, Christ's time with Peter on earth. So if you'll turn with me um, or open your Bible apps, we're going to jump around so you're going to want that in front of you. It's where it's okay to take out your phone in church. So go ahead and take out your Bible apps. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to sit there for a little bit, and then we're going to flip around. So in this letter, Peter talks about peace and suffering. He's writing to fellow Christians in this letter, Christians who, if you read the opening, uh, the first couple of chapters, you'll see that this group in the early church they must be going through something, like their own version of 2020 maybe. It seems like they're struggling with each other and with themselves. Like there's a lot of interpersonal conflict things mentioned. Uh, In chapter two, Peter uh, starts to name things that they're struggling with, things like malice, insecurity, envy, slander of each other. This is Christians in the church and he's calling this out. So some nasty stuff, and it really sounds pretty unpeaceful, uh, the group that he's, he's talking to. So then we get to chapter five. It is one of the most famous verses about dealing with anxiety. If you were to type anxiety into your Bible app or type up you know, plans for anxiety, they're going to bring this one up. It's one of the most common uh, to go to. It's a verse that I have on my heart all the time. But we're going to read what's leading up to it and then kind of settle into that. So if you, you've got that up with me, I'm in chapter five, verse one. So let's read that. It says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock, and that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those who entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. It's pretty beautiful. 
Uh, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And here it comes, the most famous one. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. I love that. And there it is. Did you see it? It was the answer to peace. He said a word in there three times. The answer to peace. Peter nailed it. It's humility. Oh, I didn't like that as much. I thought you were going to give me a list of like other practical things we could be doing with our time. But humility, humility is the great preserver of peace and order. Pride, pride is the great disturber of our peace. It's pride that causes dissensions in church. It's pride that puts ourselves in our own way. It's pride in thinking that we're in control in the first place and that numbering my pages means anything, right? It's, it's pride to think that I'm in control of what happens. It's pride that destroys teams and families and friendships and churches. Where there are groups of human beings and also pride, there cannot be peace. There just can't be. And that's our bottom line. In order to have peace, we must first have humility. So not only that, but, you know, Peter explains in verse 5, it said, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. That's actually from Proverbs. So he's quoting from this wisdom scripture to these Christians in this church, because hopefully it's something that they'll be familiar with, that they'll know. Uh, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. It's showing that there's this kind of mutual opposition there between God and the proud. So they're at war with each other. When we have pride, we have no room for God, right? And God feels the same way. So he doesn't have time for that. He opposes the proud. So two things, pride and God, are in opposition of each other. If you're in opposition of God, that doesn't sound very peaceful. That does not sound very peaceful. So just so we're on the same page, a quick definition of humility that we're going to work with here. Humility having or showing a low estimate of one's own importance. Hmm. Again, some of us did not like how that felt. (laughs) A low estimate of one's own importance. And we don't really like that that's the answer to peace. Aren't you going to give me that, that list that I usually find when I Google ways to deal with anxiety and stress? And because some of us have been trying to self help and fast track this concept of peace for years. And there's some good advice out there. Ready? Here's some you've probably heard. Take a break from social media. Fair. You should do it. Uh, Don't eat late at night. Don't have the TV running before bed. Meditate more. Read more. Eat healthier. Use lavender essential oil. Uh, Hire a life coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have more friends. Have less friends. You know, it just depends really what situation is good for you. And I'm not trying to knock any of these things. I love lavender essential oil. I prefer thieves if anyone's writing it down for a Christmas list. Uh, I'm, I'm all about these suggestions. They're good. They're just not it. They're not all of it. Peace is like that final product, that final work that the Holy Spirit is trying to do in our lives, like having this big, finished, complete puzzle 
And some of us are trying to piece that together ourselves and cheat and smash pieces where they don't go, ignore where there's holes and gaps and missing pieces, and just kind of make up our own. Uh, when I was a kid and I was uh, doing a puzzle and I'd miss a piece, uh, my dad would trace the shape of it, find some cardboard, cut it out, and like color it. There, there's your missing piece. And I feel like some of us are trying to do that, just kind of make it up as we go and make our own pieces. You know, I'm going to bed earlier. I'm reading more. I switched from coffee to tea. I'll never do that, but that's some of you. Uh, you know, what's at the center of all of those? I'm. I, I'm trying to work better at this. I'm doing this. Self. Self help, self-centered, self-care. Self-care is big right now. If you heard the term self-care, that's being thrown around a lot. I'm not knocking self-care. You should do it. You should light a candle and take a vacation day, and you should take care of yourself, and you should rest. That's a big part of this. But when there is suffering, real suffering in life, stress at work, turbulent relationships, the candle and the vacation day are not helping you. If we're missing humility... If we're missing humility, that ability to take ourselves out of first place, we will not have peace. You won't have it. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Don't miss that. God wants you to give it all to him. That action of casting it, of giving that, that is humble. That is humility, being able to have a low estimate of your own importance to carry that around. God says, give it to me. Here, God, you take this. So he's saying you're not needed here. It's hard to imagine for some of us that we're even guilty of doing this. Like, we feel pretty good. Maybe this isn't landing with some of you. Now, some of you, it feels like I've stolen your diary before this sermon, and I'm sorry for that. I'm not sorry. Uh, but some people, it's not, it's not landing quite right. We don't, we don't see ourselves as guilty of doing this, and, and I would challenge that. I think some of us have been asleep to it for long enough. You're just kind of coping with it. You're very self-unaware uh, that this is happening um, for, for years, and we honestly, we just can't see it, and then it crops up. And we go, why did I get so mad at that person? You know, what? That, that shouldn't have made me that mad. Why am I so upset about this? Everything was fine until she had to go and do that. Something's unsettling there. Something has been living there, and we haven't recognized that. I kind of think of it visually this way. Um, for those of you, if you remember back in high school, or maybe you are in high school and you had those back when we were in school, the big backpack full of all the textbooks. I mean, teachers just or curriculum specialists had to just cram every fact into one book, apparently. And then you had to carry them all around, all to not reference them at all in class. But you had the big backpack that you carried around. That's how I envision this, like on a spiritual level, that we've got these heavy backpacks that we're just carrying around. And honestly, it looks as silly as the high schooler with the backpack. That's how foolish it looks, that we just insist on having this on our backs, and God's looking at us like, put that down. Number my pages. Yes, I did. So we've got emotional baggage, bitterness against people from something from years ago, self-doubt, any number of things that we have squashed into the backpack, and we are not letting it go, and that is pride. That is saying, I've got to hold this. Nobody else will hold this like I can hold this. I've, I have to be consumed by this. 
And God's saying, no, humble yourself and put that down. But here's what some of us do. You ready? Some of us, okay, I heard you. I'm going to do it. Backpack. Put the backpack down. Right, like what's God supposed to do with it? I'm not gonna forget. Is there gonna be like a men in black flashy thing moment? I'm gonna forget, right? I still see it. That problem is still there. What he said to me still hurts. What she did, how am I supposed to forget that? Am I just supposed to forget that? And no, you may never forget that. It may hurt that much, but we can be humble and we can remember it's not about me. God's call for me is bigger than that situation. So cast it on him. Every time you catch yourself thinking back to it, you just cast it on him. And so for those of us, maybe yours is, you really feel the weight of responsibility and stress and work and whatever is due, and you just take that off and you put that down and you look at it and you say, is God supposed to just come to earth and do my report for me? Because it's still due. The work that I have to do, it's still right there. What, is, is he going to just do that for me? No. He's not going to come to earth and do your work for you. You should still do your work. Uh, but we can be humble and budget out our time differently, and we could ask for help. Ooh, that's a big one for some of us. We could ask for help. We could delegate out some work. We could let someone else shine and take a project and lead something that maybe we don't have to do everything or determine what things can wait. For me, and it's the anxiety backpack, and I know for some of you that's true, and we go to take that off, and we put that down, life's still pretty scary, (laughs) just putting that down. If anything, for somebody with anxiety, and we're always trying to think ahead, putting that down, I just handed you over my alarm system. Like that, that to me is I just gave over my common sense, and and I shouldn't be, be giving you that. So is the world just going to all of a sudden work out for me? No. But we can be humble, and we can accept that none of this was in my control in the first place. None of it was in our control in the first place. That is just a facade. So we can be humble, and no one is saying to not be careful or to be irresponsible. I am still not showering during a thunderstorm. Y'all have your heads about you. That's still a thing to do. But ultimately, he is in charge of this life, not me. And however much time he decides to give me, my only job is to give 100% back to him and glorify him. That is my number one concern every single time. For all of us, we are to humble ourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. I feel like we should all be able to say it together. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's our bottom line. In order to have peace, we must first have humility. So at this point, I hope God has brought to your attention some areas in your life that are taking your peace. Honestly, at different times in my life, if I were in the the audience, I would kind of still be stuck here. I wouldn't be totally convinced yet. You don't know my bag. You listed a bunch of kind of lighthearted things. What's in my bag is bigger than a report that's due, right? I've got some stuff from relationships, I've got maybe a couple of bags for a bunch of different people. I've got an entire hotel wheelie cart that you could just na- label childhood. You know, it, it's, not, it's not budging quite as easily as you'd think. For some of us, we've had these 
bags of anxiety, whatever it is, like basically super glued onto our backs. And it honestly, it feels impossible. And we've gotten really good, though, some of us at hiding it and not recognizing it until maybe like the holidays and we're sitting down with some family members at Thanksgiving. Well, I am thankful that the Bible is not full of perfect people. It's full of very imperfect people that we can draw some very important lessons from. So we're going to get back to Peter. Uh, And so Peter wasn't giving this advice in his letter because he was first in his class at disciple school. Okay, so we've got something we can learn from Peter. So remember, he was the troublemaker. You'd be hard-pressed to find somebody with more baggage than Peter. So we're going to pause here. We're going to come back to this letter, but we're going to go back to what we can only assume is Peter's lowest point in his whole life. I think in order to really appreciate his advice for us, we have to go back there. So if you still have your Bibles out, we're going to flip all the way back to John uh, 13 real quick. So if you've... uh, maybe never read through the Gospels before um, and, or really followed uh, Peter's life as a disciple. Remember, he was part of that inner circle we talked about. Um, he walked on the water with Jesus. That was a pretty cool moment. And remember, he is the disciple who denied Christ three times in a row just as Christ predicted he would. So I'm going to fly through this timeline a bit. I'm at John 13:38, where Jesus tells Peter at the Last Supper, it's these last moments with the disciples, and he says, very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And what's Peter's reaction? Oh, no, not me. It couldn't be me. I'd never do that. But Jesus calls it. I'm going to flip ahead. John 18, 15 through 27. Um, this account of Peter denying Christ, it's in a couple Gospels. And as I was reading through them, I actually really enjoyed, I think, John's depiction of it the best. It it honestly felt like it played out like a movie. Uh, You'd have the scene of Jesus being persecuted, and then there was this language of meanwhile. Meanwhile, Peter is outside doing what? Denying Christ. He does this kind of back and forth thing that really appreciates that, that simultaneous moment that as Christ is being persecuted for our sins, persecuted for Peter's sins, he's out there doing what? Denying Christ. And so people are asking Peter, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? Don't you know him? Oh, no, 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 not me. Meanwhile, and then we flip back to Christ being questioned and tortured. Meanwhile, another person. Aren't you, aren't you Peter? Aren't you with him? Do you know Jesus who's in there right now? No, no, not me. Couldn't be me again and again until he does it three times. The guy who was part of the inner circle, he was in the club. He saw Jesus in a way that so many other people did not see. And in Matthew's recording of this, it says, then the, um, immediately the rooster crowed, then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. There is anyone who understands the anxiety, the idea of war within ourselves, the concept of no peace in our life, it is Peter. And at this moment, he doesn't know how things play out. He's just living in that. He doesn't know how to fix it. He is left with not knowing what's next, and he just watches as his teacher and his best 
friend is crucified on a cross, publicly shamed and tortured to death, knowing that that's what he did. He was left thinking he'd never be able to reconcile that. He must have been experiencing whatever was furthest from peace you could ever imagine. But then something absolutely remarkable happens. Spoiler alert, Christ isn't dead. So he comes back to life. So we've got the risen Lord making a personal visit to Peter. This is the last main portion of scripture that we're going to look at if you've managed to flow through this. And I'm at uh, John chapter 21, 15. And we're going to read through this moment that the risen Lord has with Peter. It says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt, it says. Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is a famous scene. This is Jesus calling Peter to lead his church. The first hundred times I read it, I always read it like, wow, Jesus, way to make Peter feel bad. You keep asking him the same question over and over. Like, gosh, it says that it hurt Peter. He was distressed by it. It hurt him. You know, were you not taking him seriously? Do you believe me, Jesus? I love you. You should know that I love you. But see, this is not a gotcha moment by Christ. This is a very intentional redo moment for Peter. This is not God, you know, mocking in a way to ask Peter three times if he loves him, just to throw it back in his face. This is, this is a beautiful exchange where Peter is given a chance to say what he had always wished he could say three times. It's awesome. And so in that moment, Peter is able to experience true peace and humility being able to be received by God in that casting that whole situation on to God. So later in Peter's life, when he would sit down and he would write what would become First Peter chapter 5, when Peter advises a group of Christian leaders to humble themselves and cast all their anxieties on God because God cares for them, that wasn't just good advice. Peter lived it. It was so real for him. He is one of the most messed up bags that he had to put down, probably between all of us combined in here. So he can take yours too. That's God's part. He takes it, right? What do you have to do first? You gotta be humble first. You gotta put it down. You gotta stop carrying that. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God is calling you to serve him, to have a life with him, and to have peace with him because he is the prince of peace. I'm going to read you this last verse and then we're done. Uh, just kind of getting us prepared for Christmas, even though Eric doesn't say it's Christmas time. All right, last verse. Remember, he is the prince of peace. It's Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called 
wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's our prince of peace. And we can have it. We can have peace because God sent his perfect son, the prince of peace, who can take it all if we'll just be humble first and cast it all on him. So church, let's pray together. Um, I just want to pray over whatever God has revealed uh, in your heart and stirred up in us. God, I thank you for the opportunities that we get to just learn more and more about your ways, God. These amazing characters that um, are brought to life in your word, real human people who are not perfect like Peter. Thank you for his life, God. Thank you for the lessons that you're able to teach us through that, God. Right now, we just, we give to you whatever that thing is that is disturbing us from our peace. Right now, I give to you that bitterness that I have been holding on to for that person, God. I, I give over to you my anxiety, God. I might not be perfect, but I promise from here on out, every time I catch myself thinking that way, I'm going to cast it all on you. I'm going to stop myself right there. God, I give that to you. God, I give over to you being overworked. I need to step back, God. I need to humble myself and know that other people can take this, that other people can shine, or I'm going to ask for help. God, continue to humble me. Continue to do a work in me, God. Thank you, God, for your son, Jesus, who makes it all possible, the Prince of Peace. In his name we pray, amen. Thank you, church. Well, we're going to close with another song real quick. So I invite you all to please stand with us as we sing.